All right, we've got to start here. Uh, welcome, everyone. Uh, why don't we begin with a word of prayer? Uh, dearly Father, we thank you, O Lord, for this day, for the true gospel that you give. Thank you, O Lord, uh, that you have given us the comfort of conscience and the truth that has set us free, the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, we know that we cannot save ourselves, but by your merciful grace, you have saved us. Bless us, O Lord, in our study. We pray all this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Um, Cecily, your dad sounded great today on the phone, by the way. Oh, good. Great. Good energy. I, I always call people and say, how you doing? I'm like yelling and yeah. <laughs> he, he yelled back. Like, I'm great. I'm like, oh, good. So it was, it was good to see him have a lot of, uh, you know, um, right. Yeah. You know, you always could tell a lot about a voice, right? Oh, yes, you can. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can tell what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. When so, it sounds strong, you know he's doing good and having a good day. Yeah, it's always the voice and the color of the face. You know, if you, mm -hmm. if you have a good, uh, healthy color, you're like, okay, voice. You just froze, Pastor. Are you there? There you are. Okay. Yeah, the picture froze for a minute. Oh. We're good, though. I always want to play a joke on people and just freeze. I just want to play <laughs> that people think it does. Hey, you, played, you, you actually played a joke on me and you didn't even realize it. You told in your sermon today that the Lord knows the color of your hair and every hair on your head. <laughs> and I thought of myself. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, it, well, you know, it didn't say what part of what part of your head, Sheldon. It's, it's your shin is part of your. I got head. nothing, bro. I got nothing. Well, no, I was I was looking around and and um, some people had because um, there was Jeff there and there was Ken as well. Ken Young, you know, they're kind of they're kind of Sheldon like in that so i i i didn't want to really glean on hair too much because i don't want them to feel um anyways we won't go too deeper on that anyways but uh galatians okay back to speaking of galatians uh we see right here uh and i hope when jeff sees this again he'll just take a good laugh uh but uh but again uh when we when we go back to galatians here uh we're starting on verse 13 hopefully we can get to uh 113 to chapter 2 verse 5 that's our hope and uh, that's what we got through this morning but we see uh last week that uh, saint paul was saying what that he received his revelation from jesus christ and that's what scripture says now this is very important because um as the sent one from god uh from christ um he is on his gentile mission Right, uh, his mission is for the Gentiles, and um, I, I think right here he in in the first verse thirteen and and fourteen he really sets the tone for I think ultimately the grace of God, and also that the law doesn't save. These are kind of the two themes that we see here in verse thirteen and fourteen. If someone could read those two verses for me, that'd be great. Sure. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. 
Yes. So, so when we talk about uh, uh, St. Paul's former life, what, what picture does he paint here in Galatians 1, 13, and 14? What, do, what picture does he paint of himself? He was, he was all in. Yeah, yeah, all in Judaism. Yeah, he was the opposite of the way the way he became after he met Jesus. He was the, the polar opposite. Yeah, you know, when we talk about his former life, it says right there, uh, he he persecuted, I persecuted the church of God, and uh, yeah, and uh and violently tried to destroy it. Now, when we talk about the, the Greek here, just quickly, uh, these are all used in imperfects. So, in, in a sense, this wasn't just a one-time action, but a, a continuation of his fervor to destroy the Christian church, right? Uh, he, he describes himself as one of Judaism, right? And we see that in verse 14, he was advanced in Judaism. That is, he was a zealot for the traditions of the Father. So, in other words... Uh, when we speak of St. Paul, his former self was completely against uh, the faith in Christ. Uh, that, you know, when we talk about persecuting and destroying, it says right there, um, in the Greek, it says, uh, uh, it says, uh, hyperbolane, that he, it says right here, like that violent, uh, it's that kind of like that hyperbole, that he, he, he he ultrally <laughs> destroyed and persecuted the church. This wasn't just like he did a little bit and he and caused a little nick into the church, but actually he he was fervent and hyperbolically trying to destroy and 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 persecute the church, right? Um, and not only that, but uh, he was so advanced in Judaism. He knew he was a very studious and smart man, and he knew the law inside and out. And basically is saying what? That I tried to destroy the church. I tried to persecute the church. I'm advanced in the law. I know the law, right? Uh, but if someone can read uh, Philippians real quick for me. Philippians 3. Philippians 3, 5 to 6. If someone can read that real quick. Philippians 3? 5 and 6. Oh. You got it? Yeah. Three, five, I think okay, Sus has got it. No, she doesn't. Okay, I've got it. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee for zeal, persecuting the church as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Yes. So it's his, it's, it's his resume. It sounds perfect to me, right? Uh, zealous, blameless under the law. Uh, but verse 7 kind of shuts that down, right? Uh, verse 7 says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Right? Um, actually, his, his works of the law, it, it blurried his view of Christ. Now, again, a quick question for you is, uh, when we speak of the righteousness by the law, the, the Judaizers were doing the same thing, right? This is the, 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 the continual conflict with 
St. Paul and the Judaizers is that they were saying, you have to be circumcised and follow the law of Moses, and then you will be saved, right? This is what many people were turning to in, in the time as he was writing uh, the letter to the Galatians. And uh, this was very disconcerting. And he basically is showing, like, if I can't do it, you know, uh, if I can't do it, I'm the, I'm the, the highest study of the law. I, I know the law. I, I have the resume. And... I count it as loss for the sake of Christ, right? Everything that I've done basically means nothing, right? And all that time, I missed the, the key point, And that is, I'm a sinner and I need Christ. Uh, to live is Christ. And that is so true, right? So, so again, right here, we see in Galatians that he is really uh, fleshing out that what is it about the righteousness by the law that can be so dangerous? What is so dangerous about thinking that you can be righteous by the law? What is so dangerous about that? It's under your control. You do it. It's up to you. Well, what are you, what are you ignoring when it comes to believing that you can be made righteous by the law? What are you failing to see in your own in your own flesh. Well, it's impossible. Grace. It's impossible to be righteous, uh, mm. totally right, blame, completely blameless. You will fail, and you're uh, not seeing the um, grace of Christ. That's right. That's right. So, so uh, this morning, I know uh, in our devotion um, on Facebook, I, I talked about holiness. Now. When someone says, I am holy, or are you holy, or I don't know if that, no, that question never really comes up in a conversation, like, are you holy? Uh, but uh, I think when the word comes up, like when the word of holiness comes up, I think a lot of people, what is their quick instinct when they hear the word holy? What is their quick reaction to that word? Or what is their quick thinking on their perspective of holiness? What, what do you guys think? Uh, Self-righteousness. Okay, that basically, you, Don, go ahead. If you're a non-believer, when you hear holy, you think of people who are uh, self-righteous. Okay. Right. I agree. Is that what you were looking for, though? Or, like, when I hear that if somebody says that I'm holy, I don't, I don't, I, 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 I'm a sinner. <laughs> you know, I don't feel the holy. I know I'm blessed, but, you know. Okay, all right. Um, so, so I think on one side, it's what Don was saying is that, uh, holiness is, uh, well, someone could say, oh, you're so self-righteous, so holier than thou. Right. Um, but I think what I was looking for, Sheldon, if you want to, if I want to be honest, is that what I was looking for is that I think a lot of people think that holiness can be attained by their own achievements or their good works, right? Oh. Uh, can holiness be achieved? Can, holy, can holiness be attained by our achievement of good works? Can't, is that possible? No. 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 How many people think that, though? A lot. How many, a lot of people put holiness in that realm of, of how to get there, right? Now, Sheldon just said, you know, I know I'm a sinner, but also I'm blessed, right? And I think that is so important in a sense where... When we speak of holiness, this is 
we it always goes back to how is it attained and at the end of the day holiness is attained by what god has done for you sheldon you are holy are you a sinner yes are you holy yes that goes the same for each and every one of us, right? That we are sinners, but yet we are holy. Not in the self-righteous sense, but in the righteousness of Christ sense. Does that make sense? We are holy by what he has given to us, by his righteousness. This holiness is attained by the word made flesh, as Sheldon likes that word, so I'm going to say it. You know, this is how we're holy. Does that make sense? Does that mean you still, that you stop sinning? Um, do you want to sin? No, but do we, yes. Do we repent? Yes. In faith, we have sorrow and we repent. Um, and there by the body and blood of Jesus, we very well know we're forgiven. Right? So again, I guess this goes back to the righteousness and St. Paul is saying here, if I can't do it, no one can. Right? I mean, I have the elite Ivy league school of righteousness <laughs> and, uh, I aced the SAT, not me personally, <laughs> never did I ace the SAT, but, uh, you know, I, I aced the holiness quiz. Uh, I'm the holier person. If I can't do it, then no one can. Right. Um, and, uh, I think this is what he is saying here about, um, about his own holiness, that it was all a, 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 a moment where he failed to see uh, the Christ. And uh, in verse 15, if someone could read that, verse 15. I got it. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll stop you there. So we see in verse uh, 15, now, holiness literally means what? But when he who had set me apart, that is holiness, set me apart. You are holy. You are set apart. Before I was born, before the foundations of the world, Ephesians chapter 1, right? Before the foundations of the world that he chose us, right? So, again, when we talk about uh, God setting us apart by his grace, this was not by our works, but purely by the, the grace of our Lord. Holy Trinity Sunday, we celebrate the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We know that the Holy Spirit calls us to his word, not by our human reason or strength, but by the grace of God through that very word, we are called to faith. This is how the Holy Spirit works, even in, in our baptism. Remember uh, Acts 2, cut to the heart. What shall we do, Peter? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right? So when we talk about how we are made holy, it is by the grace of God. As St. Paul says, he has called me by grace, was pleased to reveal the Son to me. Where was the Son revealed to him? What was that moment, you think? Where was he revealed to Paul, you think? When he blinded him? Yeah, yeah. When he heard the words of Jesus, right? Saul, Saul, why are you? Persecuting me. Persecuting yes. Me. So that's where uh, the Lord's revelation was to him. And Sheldon, you were right there uh, with Paul there, uh, with blinding him um, with that light. In order that what? Again, that I might preach among the Gentiles. It says in Acts 9.15 that he is a chosen instrument that will preach to the Gentiles. That is his calling. Now, 
Why is this important? I did not immediately consult with anyone. Now, that anyone is um, another translation could be uh, sarki uh, kai um, haimati, which means um, uh, basically uh, flesh, uh, flesh and blood. That he didn't consult with flesh and blood. Why did he not consult with flesh and blood? Uh, why? You why? Did he... he didn't need to. Why? He already. He already talked to the Lord. He didn't. He didn't need any secondhand information. You know what I mean? Why is that so? Why does he emphasize that though? I mean, in it gives the him credibility. It gives him credibility. Yeah, yeah. That that he he is not just an underling. Right? He's not just like doing his own thing or like he's going rogue, you know, apart from uh, the apostles. Uh, but he's actually sent by God. And I think that is that whole uh, consulting with flesh and blood. No, this is straight from God. And that is what he is receiving by uh, in his testimony here. Right. So um, I think this is, um, again, uh, very important. Um, quickly, I want to read this for you in Luther's works. Um, and, uh, let's see, let's see right here. Um, okay. So I forgot to read this for you. I, I want you, I want you to hear this because I think this is very important. And, and Luther does such a good thing about Satan, about how he works. Okay. Uh, he's talking about self-righteousness here, the context. It says, this righteousness of mine was nothing but a cesspool and the delightful kingdom of the devil. For Satan loves such saints and treats as his own beloved, those who destroy their own bodies and souls, and who deprive themselves of all the blessings of the gifts of God. Um, in other words, uh, what he is saying right here is um, that Satan loves those who find their own self-righteousness to be the way to God. Because he loves it because it turns them away from who? Ultimately, from the words of Jesus. That is Satan's ploy. Do you, do you see that? Right? I think every time we do a, a good work, right? Uh, there is a, sorry, fly. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was a little loud. Sorry, I hate flies. Um, I thought that was your example. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, ew. All right. Anyways, I'll wash my hands later. Anyways, uh, but uh uh, why, you know, and this is, we catch ourselves a lot, don't we, in our pious works that say, oh, I'm a good person, I've done this. Or, or on the flip side, I'm a bad person, and we, we, we get so guilt-ridden that we don't even know if we're even worthy enough in front of God, right? It goes both ways, but Satan, this is how he works, always twisting what righteousness and holiness is, right? How are you set apart? By the gospel, right? This is not your doing. This is God's grace, Paul shows us right here that he's the zealot of Judaism and he still couldn't measure up, right? But by the calling of God on that Damascus road, as Sheldon said, right? Saul, Saul. And, and there he was uh, being called to the faith. Um, anyway, so, so this is, uh, this is uh, God's doing in his life and he thanks the Lord for all of it. His righteousness, right? Not by his merits, but completely by the grace of God. Okay, um, Again, uh, it says right there in uh, verse 16 and 17, um, what, uh, and who called me by the grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I may preach him among the Gentiles. Um, and again, uh, to me, 
or in me right there in uh, verse 16 that I was pleased to reveal, was pleased to reveal his son to me or in me. And I think that's very important in a sense of uh, Galatians 2.20, that I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And this was kind of that whole motif of, of being in Christ, being in him by his grace, that we no longer live, but Christ lives in us, that we were crucified with Christ. And that crucified with Christ also points to our baptism, right? Uh, Paul says in Christ 64 to 67 times in his writings, I'm not sure, something around that, 64 to 67. Give me some wiggle room there. But that in Christ uh, shows baptismal language of, uh, of being what it means to be in Christ, and that is by the gift of, uh, of baptism. So anyways, this is how we're set apart, all by the grace of God, and we are made righteous by his work, right? Okay, uh, 18 to 20, if so, or uh, seven, 17 to 20, if someone could read that. I can. Or did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia, and returned once more to Damascus. Then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now in what I am writing to you, I assure you before God that I am not lying. All right. So, so again, when we speak of uh, after... After doing these things, he, he goes up, uh, he goes up to Arabia, right? Uh, he, I have, he went away to. I have Cephas as Peter in my verse, just so you know. Yeah, that's again, that's yeah. um, also his name. Oh, but, but uh, we see right here that uh, um, that when we 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 see the account to which he did, and that he went. To Arabia, again, a Gentile place where there was a lot of Gentiles. And, and then he returned to Damascus after three years. He visited Cephas and the other apostle, James. Um, and, I mean, I, I think the interesting thing here is, uh, I think, that he really leaves this description very broad. He just visits. Now, again, I think it, it goes back to the flesh and blood that he did not consult with anyone, but rather he was visiting with them. And, um, and that is basically all that we particularly know about this situation, about what he did. Uh, but I think the bottom line is in verse 20 is, in what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. And basically what he is saying is what I am telling you is true. Now, this is very important because a lot of the Galatians would try to undermine him saying that, again, you are not the apostle that they are, right? Uh, that you are just kind of after the fact and you're saying these things as if you have um, some sort of pull. Um, but he's always emphasizing to them that uh, by the calling, by the revelation of Christ, um, he is he is called to the Gentile mission. Now, um, so, so again here we see, I just want to read my notes here for you. Um, after three years, he returned and was with Peter for 15 days, also James. 
And he reminds the Galatians that he is telling the truth before God. Again, um, he was not necessarily taught by them, right? But rather, uh, he was telling the readers that he was, he visited with them, uh, that he had a unique calling, uh, but that he was not under the tutelage of the apostles, right? This wasn't like a, this wasn't like where he was necessarily uh, under their study, but rather directly from the revelation of God, he went to Arabia, back to Damascus, and now he visits with them. Um, you know what's neat about this? Is this is actually just a little insight of the canon that's blasting right now. This is God's canon. When the canon shot and God's word was to be spread out everywhere, this is just a little insight as to a little goings-on of, of as the canon is blasting, I think. Yeah, you know, I, you know, and good point there is that, you know, when we see the grace of God doing what he does, I think St. Paul, the, the, the most unlikeliest of followers of Christ, uh, here we see him being led by God alone, not under any human flesh and blood, but simply by the Lord and his grace. And I think that is the key point here of what he is trying to say. Uh, and um, again, um, not by humans, human norms, but through the revelation and grace of God. Uh, okay, uh, 21 to 23, if someone could read that. I got it. Later I went to Syria and to Cilicia. Cilicia. I was Sorry. <clears throat> I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. All right. So, again, what is his mission? Sent by God for the Gentiles. And that's where he is. He was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard what he said. So, so the, 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 the word was getting around of all the great work that he was doing. And they were just like Ananias when he said, go baptize him. And, and I said, don't you know who this guy is? He's so evil, right? But even in that, right, on, in Acts 9, we see right now how many were just so amazed by what this Paul had changed into. And they glorified God because of me. You know, even in his actions, there are many were glorifying God for the great miracle of, of turning Paul to the faith. And um, I think, uh, again, as we, as we see uh, Paul being led by the Lord, uh, no surprise that people would glorify God for all that was happening because the Lord was working through him. Right? I, I can't, you know, there's no, humanis there's no humanism here. You know, like, you know, there's no, <laughs> sorry, Don, I'm going to say this. There's no engineering going on here. All right. <laughs> there's no, there's no human wires that he's trying to, you know, put together by his own human reason of strength. Uh, <laughs> but this is just straight from God and his guidance and the, the purity from which he went. And yes, he's a sinner. Yes, he's not perfect, but being led by God. I think no surprise that people would glorify God for how he is working in him. And I think um, at the end of the day, like the Judaizers, 
God knows, and everyone knows when there's a sham, you know? God knows, everyone knows when it's fake or, you know, there's a different motive. Uh, but for Paul, this was all results in, in glorifying God because God did a great thing. The once persecuted destroyer, the once zealot of Judaism. I mean, how can you change this guy's heart? The Lord does. I, I always use St. Paul as my example. It's never impossible, right? Oh, but so-and-so, they're never going to, you never know, right? If, if Paul can come to the faith. God's word, right? It's all about God's word and grace. That's how that turning happens, right? So anyways, uh, continue on here. I know we're kind of zipping through this a little too quick, but uh, chapter two, chapter two, Paul accepted by the apostles. Uh, so we can read uh, verses one. I mean, verse one, real quick. Sorry, okay. verse one. Okay. 14 years later, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. Okay. So what is the importance of this addition of Barnabas and Titus? What do you think? Uh, quickly, uh, we know Barnabas as uh, he is mentioned in Acts 4 as the son of encouragement, uh, native of Cyprus. And well, in Acts 4, he sold his field that belonged to him and gave the the offerings to uh, the apostles, right? He laid them at the apostles' feet. So he was a great assisting in, in, in the mission of Christ. Uh, we see it in Acts 11, 13, 14, all those places. Um, but he was known to be a Jew. That is the key, right? He is a Jew. Now, who is Titus? Uh, as it says in Titus 1, 4, he is a convert of St. Paul, and he was a Gentile. Now, why? Okay, so Paul's here with a Jew and Gentile. Why is that important? Everybody's so, symbolic that they're both in Christ. Gospels for everybody. Gospels, yeah, for both the Jew and the Gentile. So God. So they symbolize that. Yeah, they symbol that. Symbolize that in, in who they were in their backgrounds. As as Saint Paul would say that. God shows no partiality, right? Who is the gospel for? Everyone, right? Uh, and, and this is what he is showing here with Barnabas and Titus, that the gospel is for everyone, right? Uh, this is what the gospel is for. And I, I think it's very important that we see, uh, uh, well, I guess we'll, if someone could read verse, uh, Galatians 3.28 is that, reference to there is neither Jew nor Greek when it comes to the gospel, right? The gospel is for, uh, for everyone, todo el mundo, right? For all the world. Um, sorry, my Spanish just comes out randomly. But <laughs> anyways, uh, I'm weird, as you know, sometimes I'm a little random and non sequitur. But anyways, uh, we see right here uh, in verse, verse 2, verse 2, so we can read that. Okay. I can. Okay, go ahead. It was because of a revelation that I went up and I submitted to them the gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but I did so in private to those who were of reputation for fear that I might be running or had run in vain. So, so do the apostles, and you know, Peter gets a boo-boo there with um, sitting with Gentiles later, but anyways, but um, you know, when we talk about the true gospel, what is unifying the apostles 
um, and also Paul himself. What unifies them? And that'll always be the gospel, right? Right here, he is showing, uh, though privately before those who seemed influential, and these are the Jerusalem apostles, right? Uh, and he is, though he wasn't under their tutelage in a sense, um, he, he still walks in oneness with them, right? Because they all believe in the same word. Um, those, are actually, those are actually the two first reasons I thought would, was going to be the answer. You, your first answer was the fact that they were Judaizers and the other ones that were different kinds of people, but were all one in Christ. I, my answer was going to be, before you even said that, was to show that we have fellowship together and to take some of the focus off of me, Paul, and look at these other guys too. Yeah. Not to put Paul on a pedestal. I think you said the F word, right? You said fellowship. So, um, what was, sorry, <laughs> but the fellowship, right? This is, this is what they had. I mean, fellowship, the koinonia in the Greek is that fellowship is what? In Christ. Their fellowship was in the teachings of Christ. The revelation that he got and the teachings that they had received, it is always in Christ. And again, if there was a difference of opinion, that could have caused what? Division. Division, not only between them, but also the people, right? So that fellowship is important uh, when it comes to the oneness in Christ, even as Paul is accepted by the apostles here, the ones of great influence, the one who knew the gospel and was proclaiming the gospel, the apostles. And there uh, it says, in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain, right? So this fellowship is very important. And there he was received and accepted by the apostles. But again, verse three is a, a keeper here, always a keeper. But so we can read verse three. Okay. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. All right. So what is that saying, Don? Quickly. Judaizers, you must be circumcised and do the law of Moses to be saved. He brings up Titus, who's a Greek, uncircumcised, who is not forced to be circumcised. What is this saying about them? To demonstrate well, that Gentiles can be in the faith and are, are fully part of the fellowship, yet they need not have done the Jewish things first. Yes, I mean, you. I remember you were reading Philippians 3, that he was circumcised on the eighth day. That's good, right? Uh, that, that he was, and he was showing that by their law in the Old Testament, that's what they ought to do. But for Titus, now again, circumcision isn't bad, right? Circumcision isn't a bad thing. It only becomes a bad thing when it becomes a law that makes you righteous, in the sense of you have to do this to be saved. Right? When Jesus came, all he finished it. And here, Titus was not circumcised. And that basically shows that he's, he's welcome to the family, all because the true gospel is, is the object of their faith. Right? Now, what we, just, a, just a theme here. But when I say object of, what is the object of your faith? What do you think I mean by that? The object of your faith. What does that mean when I say those, that phrase? A goal, purpose, core belief. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah. Salvation. Uh, say that again, Sheldon. Salvation. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so I, I think even, even more simpler, uh, basically what I mean by object of faith is what does your faith cling to? Everyone has faith, right? Everyone has faith in something. Do you believe that? Everyone has an object of faith. It could be money. That could be their faith. It could be works, right? Works to save. That could be your faith. But when it comes uh, to our object of faith, we know that all of that stuff, our idols, our works, well, at the end of the day, result into nothing, right? Uh, but for us, the object, the faith to which our faith, the object to which our faith clings, or the object to which we cling into faith is Christ. That will always be the object of our faith, is Jesus, where our faith clings, where our faith trusts. And we see right here, no circumcision means my object of faith is Jesus, right? My object of faith is Jesus Christ alone. And for the Gentile mission, it wasn't about laws to be saved. But by this mission alone of Christ, circumcision does not save me, but the body and blood does. I am a Greek, right? I, I, I'm not part of the chosen, but yet, by the blood of Christ, I am, right? And I think this is very important about this. And I want you to check yourselves all the time, because I think when we talk about object of faith, as we talked about earlier, the righteousness by the law, well, we could find ourselves, what? That our object of faith becomes about the works of the law, clearly. We can become very moralistic, or I'm a good person, or, you know, and it's good to be good. I mean, it's good that we love and serve neighbor. That's what we are called to do, right? We're called to love and serve our neighbor and to care for those that God has placed in our lives. Um, but when it comes to saving, that has nothing to do with salvation, right? It's only Christ. And I say that all the time, but Trust me, our flesh says what? The devil says what? Always trying to twist that around saying, are you sure? I mean, is it that easy? Is it that free? And uh, for, for, for Titus, it is because it's the gospel, right? Um, so, yeah, what a great picture this is. Anyways, uh, we'll, do, we'll do one more. Four and five, real quick. Four and five. So I could read that. Thank you for waiting after. I got it. This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus to make us slaves. We did not give into them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. All right. So the false brothers, the Judaizers, right? Slipped in to spy out our freedom. Now, what is this, clearly, how does he describe the Judaizers here with the verbs of slipping in and spying out? What is he saying about them? That they're, they're like intruders. Snakes, yeah. serpents. Party of the, of the Pharisees. Devious, yeah. Mm, snakes, I don't like snakes. They're gross. <laughs> anyway, oh man, snakes and lizards, no thanks. Um, Mary Woodleaf knows. I'm scared of lizards. Anyways, uh, they always come into our church through the crack of the door, and I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. I just sit there and watch them. But uh, anyways, uh, they slip in. They're, they're like snakes. They're intruders. And what does intruder do? Intruders are there to destroy and to take away. What are they taking away? Stuff. Now, in this case, they are taking away the freedom 
that is in Christ. How is that, you know, when we're burdened, when we hear the words, love God and love neighbor, why are we burdened by that, you think? This will be our closing question for today, but why are we burdened by the commandments or by loving? Why, why is that such a burdensome thing at times in our life? Like I have to- Because it's against that. our nature. It's against our nature. It's against our nature, right? Um, but I think when we, when we talk about, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, about, you know, being bound into slavery. When you're bound into slavery, spiritual slavery, here you find yourselves saying what? You're burdened by all these things, right? When you're set free in Christ and the gospel, works looks, a, works looks very different, right? When you're in that whole, I have to do the law to be saved, that's slavery. Works look very different in that, doesn't it? Than someone who is free in Christ already, and there we go, love and serve our neighbor, right? Not to fulfill the law because Christ has already fulfilled it, right? But, uh, but to love and serve our neighbor in the grace of God, right? This is totally different than someone who is bound in slavery by their works, thinking that I have to do all these things. I got to walk on eggshells and hope that I get there uh, type of legalism. And this is what uh, is really happening. A spiritual battle is before them as the, the infiltrators are trying to come in and take away their freedom. What is their freedom? It is the gospel. The, 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 the intruders are trying to uh, twist that around saying, no, you have to do this. And when you have to do this, there you are bound by your works. And when you're bound by your works, you fail to see Christ, right? And, and this is the big rub for St. Paul. He's not going to let it happen. Verse five, to them, we did not yield. I almost got into an accident the other day. Oh man, the guy didn't yield. I'm like, why aren't you yielding? Like, <laughs> It was bad. It was actually uh, near Northridge. We were going to the Korean market, and uh, it was close. I'm like, why isn't he yielding? In my mind, it was going slow motion. You know, I'm like, what is he doing? Like, I was very calm in my mind as I'm screaming on the brakes. I'm like, why is he doing that? (laughs) Like, what is he thinking? Anyways, anyway, sorry, yield. All right, so uh, to them, we did not yield in submission, even for a moment. So what is he saying right there? Did it yield for even a moment? Why is that so important? Why didn't he, why did St. Paul give any concessions to this? Why does he stake his life and not yield even a second? To do so would reduce the importance of Christ. If you reduce the gospel even by that much, what happens, Don? Then it becomes a matter of degree. It is not a purity. And it becomes a different gospel. And a different gospel is no gospel at all. So this, this, this uh, battle that he is facing here with the Judaizers is, is a matter of life and death. Right? When you love people, you tell them the truth. Right? You don't wax and wane and, and be flippant. He's not people-pleasing here. He is sent by God to tell the truth, right? And this is what he is doing. He is not yielding any submission to any pressures of human nature because he's sent by God to proclaim the gospel. I think I love that. Even for a moment, he didn't yield in submission because this, the truth of the gospel, when that, you know, when the word of God, we live in Christianity today. If you dig deep enough, not even, you, don't have to, you don't even have to dig deep anymore. 
But sadly and tragically, many churches have gone away from God's word, right? And you know that. Many churches have gone away from God's word. And why do we get upset about that? Or why does that, why does that worry us greatly? Because we know what is at stake. Does that make sense? We know what is at stake. And when we start subverting the word for what we wanted to say rather than what it says, we know what's at stake. And that is why we are so um, concerned and worried when we see these things happening in Christianity today, um, because that freedom and slavery is at risk, right? And, um, and, and this is what St. Paul is doing. Um, he does not yield in submission because his call is from God. You know, as a pastor, we'll just conclude here. You know, I always go into things prayerfully, but I tell people the truth even when it hurts. You know, those tough, those tough discussions that you have to have with people because this is God's word. And we go in with a clear conscience knowing that by his word, we are set free. When we dilute that word, it might on the outset look like we're just nice people and we're people pleasing and doing all these things and being harmonious and all these things. But really what's happening is what? We're destroying someone's faith. We're, we're, we're not leading them down the right path. And this is what St. Paul's doing. I can't give you a, a submission, yield any degree, because if I do, we're done. Our faith is over. It's no longer Christ alone. Right? And, and when a little leaven leavens the whole lump, Sheldon knows his righteousness is at stake. His faith is at stake. His peace and comfort and the assurance and certainty of salvation is at stake. So this gospel is so important to preserve. Who does it do? For you, it says right there. Right? And that's why he is faithful to the end. His word. God's word. Right? Anyways, um, we'll stop there. Um, was that good? Any questions on that? I got no questions, but I... I got I'm not really sure I'm supposed to be listening to other preachers than you, but I do, unfortunately. And they preach um, that if you don't, well, with works, again, um, you'll receive blessings. And I, I got it right there. This guy, for 30 seconds, is what he says, you know. I think, I think it's... Well, I think, Sheldon, I'm not saying that... It's terrible. Well, I don't know. You, don't just, have know. To, you just have to compare it with Scripture. And I, I think at the end of the day, the goal is... The beauty of Lutheranism is that assurance and certainty and the confidence of our faith is always nailed home by the work of Christ on the cross. And... Right, but once we start are actually bringing it up a little in the electric... Once we start works back in and saying, if you do the works of God, you'll receive his blessings. You know, well, I mean, is that I, not to say that we're not going to receive his blessings? If no, the danger don't? is the conditional statement. If you do this, then you will. Subjective. It, That's right. It's the conditional. In yeah. Lutheranism, we believe it's an unconditional blessing. Right. I'd like That's to think right. that too, because even when I fail badly, I, I'm still blessed. Because you have Christ. Right. That's the true gospel. You are forgiven of your sins. Do you know that? And that's the key to the true gospel, right? Uh, it's not if you do this, you'll get this. And I always tell people that at the end of the day, 
is why the object of faith is so important. Once we start muddling that up just a little bit, it becomes a whole different picture of faith. And, and I can't, and that's why it's like, you gotta hear, you, you, you have to hear the for you every single time. Because, well, that's what it's all about in our faith. It's St. Paul preaching the true gospel. And we can never depart from that or say, I already know that. Let's kind of move on to bigger and better things. No, we stay, we stay, we stay uh, at the promise of Christ. And we'll hear it until the end of time. And, and that's what we do as a church. So I, I think for me, what I hear in every sermon is this, where is Jesus, right? Where is Jesus preached? Where's the law preached? Where's the gospel preached? Um, when I hear sermons, I ask myself that, right? And is this preaching Jesus for me? Or is it just kind of a cursory, let's talk about Jesus as a good man and a good model, and he did all these things, now you have to do this. That's a totally different sermon than someone who says preaching repentance and forgiveness, Luke 24, 44 to 47, as Jesus commanded them to do. Um, and that's what we do, because at the end of the day, we always end on the surety of Christ. And that's the bottom line to our faith, is to hear Christ in the midst of our sin, that we are forgiven. So remember that St. Paul would never yield because he knew what was at stake. And that's why we stick to what we know in Christ Jesus. So you got to hear, not what you want to hear, but what you have to hear. And that is Jesus for you. So, um, okay. Why don't we stop there and conclude with a word of prayer. And dearly Father, we thank you for this day, O oh Lord, uh, for this time together. We know that uh, by your grace, we are saved and that you have brought us out of slavery, out of sin and death. Thank you, O Lord, for the freedom of a Christian, for the freedom of, of this life covered by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And lead us, O Lord, in your grace, always to the joy of your holy name, as we continue to live, move, and have our being, as we rejoice in Christ, as we love in Christ, as you guide us in the faith um, in Christ Jesus. Lord, bless us this day and lead us. I pray all this in your name. Amen. 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 All right. Good night. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. Anytime. Have a good night, everyone. Thank God bless you. you. Have a good week. Bye, Sheldon. Bye, Don. Bye, guys. Bye, bye Don. Um, bye. I see you. <laughs> kind of. All right. Have a good night.